Is it well with your soul? Depending on your personality, you may have a gut response to that. But I want you to take a moment. In light of everything going on in your life and in light of everything going on in the world, is it well with your soul? The other day, I feel like God brought my attention to a post from my friend Sharika, and it was about a new ministry she was starting called Well Ministries. And I had a sense that I needed to ask if she'd be willing to come on the podcast. Now, I didn't know what we would talk about. I figured we'd talk about Well Ministries and how it came about. But the conversation that we had was incredibly encouraging to me, and I think it'll be encouraging to you. And it all hinges on this idea of, is it well with your soul? God has taken Sharika on an amazing journey, and the result is so much incredible wisdom. And she credits that wisdom first and foremost to God, but also to some amazing communities that she's been a part of, including East End Fellowship and Sunodia Prayer Counseling. She knows that God has used these entities and others in some amazing ways, helping her navigate some very difficult roads to where she is today. Now, if you want to learn more about Well Ministries, you can check it out at sharikachu.wordpress.com, at facebook.com slash itiswellministries, and at instagram.com slash wellministries. I encourage you to check it out. You are listening to episode 46 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just thank you that you are God and you are good, and I just thank you for um, this time with Sharika, just for bringing her to mind, for putting it in her heart to kind of step in to share her story, and most of all, we're just excited to see what you might want to do in this space, because we don't know what to expect, um, but we know that when we take a step towards you, um, you are happy to make yourself known, and you seek and you will find, and so... Here we are seeking, and we invite the, the Spirit to speak. If there's anything that you want us to dive into, guide our words. If you want us to not say certain things, protect our words. And above all, I just pray that you are honored and glorified by everything that happens here. As I pray in your holy name, amen. Amen. So I've known Sharika for I don't even know how many years oh now. Gosh. It's been a while. Yeah. I've been at East End at least nine years. So we've known each other at least nine <laughs> years. Something like that. Yep. And yeah, we've connected in many different ways, had many great conversations. And one thing I've always appreciated about Sharika is that I've always known you as someone that just desires to seek God, even when it's not clear what that even can look like in certain situations, when it's not, not just not easy, but incredibly hard. I think God recently brought you to mind when I was seeing that you had just started a new endeavor called Well Ministries, and I don't know anything about it, <laughs> but I knew there would be some story behind it. So I'd love just to just to start there. I mean, tell me about this journey to where you are today with Well Ministries. What has God been up to? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, even the question, what has God been up to is like, that's a huge question. <laughs> uh, how do you pin down what God's been up to? Um, I just feel like it's something he's been birthing in me uh, my whole life. Uh, I don't think it's completely done. Um, but 
I feel like I heard him say recently, time's up. Because uh, <laughs> I'm a type of person, I want everything to look perfect before right. I start. I want to see the Z before I start A. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like he's like, no, it's time to be obedient and step out. And he told me specifically late, uh, recently, I need you to, all I'm asking you to do is walk with me in public. Mm. Um, mm. Just have our relationship that we have behind closed doors out in public um, because someone else needs to see it. Mm. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where I am taking a step by step right now. And it makes sense to me because when I was really going through a really hard time and I, um, I was starting to feel really lost, I felt like I didn't have anybody to kind of ex- help me through the process. Mm. And I felt like I was by myself, which God has always called me a pioneer. So that. I think he did it on purpose. Uh It's no one's fault. But I feel like I was by myself. But I don't. That gives me a passion for people who feel like they're by themselves. So right now, I feel like the audience for Well Ministry is someone who she trusts God to the point of contentment, but only to the point that she thinks He'll do. You ever have somebody say, um, I know God can, but will he? Mm-hmm. And I spent most of my Christian life feeling like that and, and feeling like I'm a warrior and there's things I fight for and some things I just won't have. And I just, I'm okay with that. And yeah. sometimes that's a false contentment. It's not a real relationship with God. And I strived my way through that until I couldn't anymore, until I was completely depleted. And then God began to show me all the things he really wanted to give me and how I didn't really have hope for those things. Mm. Um, so my, I feel like the audience for that is that person who's been hurt or disappointed and has lost her hope. And so she is okay with God because she feels like it is what it is. Yeah. And learning instead all the wonderful things that he really has planned mm. for you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still kind of balancing. I feel like he's been saying there are princess warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes in the church, we feel like there are warriors and there are princesses. <laughs> and I always kind of felt like I was a warrior. I was supposed to fight and carry this stuff. And then there's other people who get spoiled by God. And that's not me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but God has been yeah. trying to b- give me the balance that his daughters are supposed to be both. And so that's what I'm hoping comes from Well Ministries is an idea of both. Yeah. So Well Ministries then is uh, you're you're creating content that speaks to that person that mm-hmm. shares maybe bits of your own story, shares you know revelations or verses or things that God's given you to kind of provide that support, account- accountability, encouragement along the way. So that they're not walking alone. Right. So basically, like, I feel like, and this could just be my view, but a lot of times in church, we we say it is well with my soul. Mm. It's a good scripture. And, it, you know, and you're supposed to say that. That's how we're supposed to feel about God. Yeah. But a lot of times it's not really well with your mm-hmm. soul. And the question is, is it well? And sometimes when you grow up in church, you don't take that time to say, is it well? Um, because one, it feels disrespectful or feels like God is not having power in my life or I'm not being content. But God really wants to sit in that space and ask you those questions mm-hmm. because he really wants it to be well. Mm-hmm. Um, not because he's condemning us, but he really wants to touch that one space uh, that's really not well. Yeah. So this question just popped my mind and it's a big question. But I mean, you you made the comment, sometimes it's not well with your soul. So what do you do in that space? If you, the expectation of the world is to act like things are well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
but it's actually not well, but at the same time, God wants it to be well. What do you do when you're in that space? Yeah. What I'm learning and have learned the hard way mm-hmm. is like God wants to have those conversations. And it's it's really hard sometimes to explain to people who are not really well because they don't have um, audible, vivid conversations with God because mm-hmm. they're not well. Mm-hmm. So they look at you kind of sideways like, <laughs> so you want me to go and talk to God. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really have learned to talk to God. Like sometimes I'm afraid of something and, I, and I'm just like, Lord, what is this fear? Mm-hmm. And having those conversations rather than either shying away from what has caused me fear or pretending I'm not afraid, mm-hmm. asking him, what is this fear? And having a conversation. And I have found like, and when I first started having those conversations, literally like sometimes I would just open the Bible and the verse would just be the answer. Yeah. Now I can kind of get a little bit more of a sense. That I feel like God is saying this thing or that, but I mean, literally, or like I just turn on the TV and a commercial or a preacher would say the answer to my question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like God was hearing me. And then he would give me advice and walk me through it like a doctor. Mm-hmm. Like he wants you to be okay. Yeah. Another question that just popped yeah. in my mind. And this is one I've been thinking of. You know, there's a lot of people, like you said, would look at you funny if you said you can hear the voice of mm-hmm. God, right? Mm-hmm. On the other end of the spectrum, there's a lot of people saying they're hearing the voice of God that might be yeah. hearing other voices. For you, how do you know when you are hearing God's voice? How are you, what makes you confident that what you're hearing is God and not something else? Mm -hmm. I think that um, there's two sides of that. Like, so I have to walk in a certain level of faith that God speaks and that he promised that he would speak to his children. Um, So I can't let that be shaken. But at the same time, I walk cautiously in the Mm -hmm. fact that there are other voices Mm -hmm. and Sometimes I desire things that God doesn't desire. And so that could just be me. Um, I have to be cautious of those things. And so I try to hear God in the context of community, of other people, of scripture, of what I know of his character. You know, if it's way outside of his character, Mm -hmm. most likely not him talking. Mm -hmm. Um, And one thing I do also test myself, if the only thing that's keeping me from obeying the voice I think is God is fear, Mm. then most likely it's God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And I like what you said, too, about, you know, you recognizing there are moments where there's something you want that God might not want. And I think that's one of the biggest traps, because yesterday I was really wrestling with the idea that there are so many times that I've heard people speaking that believed they were kind of speaking for God. But for various reasons, I knew that they weren't. But yet I could see like a thread of truth in there Mm -hmm. or or put another way, moments where I hear two spiritual leaders Mm -hmm. talking about the same truth, but seeing it in very different ways. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this reality that we can take something from God and then paint our own layers on top of that. Mm -hmm. And as a result, make it into something else. And it could have the appearance of being like threads and elements of being God's voice. But now it's shifted because they're parts Mm -hmm. of our own will and desires and plans in it which is a hard thing how how do you for you how do you keep that humility Mm -hmm. in place one thing that i think that happens in the church a lot is that we take the bible to be god's only word Mm. um if i can't read it in an exact scripture let me give you an analogy Mm. let's say you buy a new refrigerator Mm -hmm. right um and it comes with instructions and you're reading the instructions you're trying to figure out how to set up this refrigerator um and you're following but you're not getting it right 
and the guy who made the refrigerator is standing there saying, you could do it this way. <laughs> and you're like, well, well, the book says this. Um, and I think that we use yeah. the Bible to argue with God uh -huh. um, and not realize that the Bible, I mean, he he relates to different people in different ways. He's never really boxed in scripture, mm -hmm. but we try to box him. We'll take one particular scripture and we harp on that scripture and that becomes God when he did something totally different in another place yeah. for another person. And so finding the balance and not putting him in a place of humanity, but thinking like we're complex. Like I don't always feel the same way every day mm -hmm. or react the same way every day. And God being bigger than us mm -hmm. is supposed to be more simplified that, you know, I think that's where we get stuck. Um, and if you take the Bible without relationship, without actually spending time with him and having Rhema word, you will get stuck on things. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have two sides arguing with each other about the yeah. same guy. Yeah. 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 It's uh, making me think of, uh, I've been a part of a Bible study. We've been working through First Corinthians. And what I'm gathering about that book is it seems like the Corinthians sent Paul an email. Mm -hmm. Email. <laughs> Let me try that again. <laughs> and send an email. Uh, the Corinthians sent uh, Paul a letter, mm -hmm. and in it they had this list of questions: What do we do in this situation? What do we do in this situation? And earlier on in the book, Paul essentially says to them, "Look, I'm not here to give you a list of do's and don'ts. Mm -hmm. I want to give you an understanding of what it means to seek God yeah. and operate in that. To know mm -hmm. what are your motives in the choices that you're making." And then he goes on to say, like, everything is lawful, but not everything is beneficial. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of pushing against what is what the Pharisees saw as the right process, which is have all your rules and obey all your rules, which they couldn't because mm -hmm. there are so many rules that we just you know couldn't follow to a T. You know, Paul is saying, actually, if you get focused on the rules, you're missing the point. The, the focus is that you are seeking God and not perfection. Mm -hmm. You are seeking God's will and not doing things right. Right. And... You know, you see that with Jesus when the Pharisees came to him and said, how dare you disobey God by healing on the Sabbath? Right. Jesus is like, really? <laughs> Are you serious right I now? I think you might be missing the point of what God's right. calling you to. Yeah. And I think God does that on purpose mm. um, so that we do have to seek him. Mm -hmm. If it was so simplified and I could just give you a piece of paper with all the rules, how many of us would actually talk to him? Mm -hmm. It, he he hides certain things on purpose mm -hmm. so that we can seek it. Yeah. Well, and, and if it is based on rules, there'd be so many of us that would be disqualified pretty quickly. So many yeah. of us that would give up pretty quickly. Yep. And there would be people who would trudge forward but actually miss it like the yep. Pharisees did because they're good at doing all the things. And be walking in pride. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And what God wants us to do is just die to self and live yeah. to him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is super easy and super hard. Yes, exactly right. Super easy and super hard. So Well Ministries, the the name comes from it as well with my soul. Right. Yes. From the Shunammite woman in Second Kings. Yeah. God has just been like revealing her to me. Um and she was the person who said it. Um I feel like when she said it, mm. she meant it. Mm -hmm. Um and I I don't know that we always know what we're saying when we say it. And so yeah. um, she was going through a really hard time and God used her story on purpose. And I feel like some of the hard things she went through and it's hard to say, but some of them are intentional and God does some things. Sometimes we don't understand that don't mm. make sense, uh, but I'm still living off of her story mm. right now. Yeah. I, I had somebody once come to me when I was in the midst of a hard season and 
question if I was actually hearing from God mm -hmm. because I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. And they said to me, well, the Bible says to be content in all situations. So mm -hmm. you're not content, so you must not be. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a rough, yeah. you know, recapture of it. But um, I thought about that a lot because I, at the time, there were very clear things happening. This is right before I lost mm -hmm. my job. And so there were moments that I was, I knew I was really trying to seek God and I knew I was hearing from God. And I knew that I felt <laughs> a burden. And I was like, well, I wonder if maybe this person doesn't actually understand what contentment yeah. means. And yeah. so, you know, what to you, what does well mean? Mm -hmm. What does contentment mean? What is, if it's not, happy and everything's great. What does that mean? Right. And people, you know, if you ask someone directly what's contentment and what's joy, they'll say it's always oh, different from happiness. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's something that sits with you even when things are not good. They say that and we understand the definition, but then when it happens, people are confused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's not real joy if it doesn't stand up in trials. Mm -hmm. It's not joy. Mm-hmm. You haven't experienced joy until you can experience contentment within tribulation. Mm -hmm. There's no, it's not joy. Mm -hmm. um, that is the actual definition of joy. Um, and I think about Paul and all the letters he wrote to us sitting in a jail, yeah, telling us to be content, yeah. knowing that he was there because God led him there. And I think that there's, a difference between, um, and I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe the enemy will come at us and he will try to stop us. And you got to know the difference. You got to know when the enemy is coming. You got to know when it's time to say no. Mm -hmm. But when God is leading you, when God led Jesus into the wilderness, no one argues that point when you're preaching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but then when you think about it, Jesus went into the wilderness and yeah. did not eat for 40 days. He wasn't super excited about that process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of the disciples, just about all of them, were martyrs. They, mm -hmm. Like, they died. Yeah. Um, it's all through scripture. He promises that it will be suffering. Um, he promises that there will be hard times. But he also promises there is a joy. And I've, I've experienced that. It's like a, it's a weird feeling. It's like a knowing. Yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh, everything looks like it's over. Mm -hmm. The world is ending. Mm -hmm. But then something is like a little voice, a little knowing saying, no, 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 it's not over. This is this is the beginning of something amazing that you don't know anything about. Yeah. And your mind can't wrap around. Yep. Well, I think that's the big thing then is it's the metrics we use. And often our metrics are what we understand mm -hmm. and what we can see and what we are experiencing, our comfort, mm -hmm. our desires. And so if those things are being hit, if it's something that we don't understand or if it's something that is uncomfortable or is hard, then our metrics say that is bad. Yeah. Things are not well because those boxes aren't being checked. Mm -hmm. And I think as we grow in spiritual maturity, we begin to change our metric system. Every time I pray, I start off with God is God and God is good because back when we had our first miscarriage back in 2011, and I was really wrestling with God had called me to pray for the life of the baby and the baby didn't live. So what does this mean about God? And I landed at this place of I could choose to believe that God is God and God is good, even if I don't understand it, or I can disregard God yep. altogether. Unfortunately, I chose the former. Mm -hmm. In doing that, it forced me to a place of acknowledging if I believe that to be true, that God is God and powerful and all-knowing, even though none of this makes sense to me, and God is good, even though none of this feels good to me then that creates a new metric. Right. In any given situation, even if the worst thing is happening, if I know that I'm trying to seek God, I can then ask, well, is God still God in this situation? Yes, even though I don't see it. Is God still good? Yes, even though I don't see it. 
And therefore I can be content because I don't know anything else, but I do know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. And so somehow this is going to lead to something that is abundantly more, even if it's not even for my benefit. Yeah. Which is a hard, I mean. It's really hard. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it really comes down to a trust. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's the, the basis of well ministry is a lot of times we can choose to trust that. But if you have a lot of experiences that says that God is something different, mm-hmm. you have to come to a place of arguing with God or arguing with your experience. Mm-hmm. And some people have been through really, I mean, traumatic, tragic things that don't make any sense. And until they can get to a place of saying that God is good no matter what and that this experience is a liar, mm-hmm. but God is not a liar, mm-hmm. um, they'll always be stuck in that space. And I know for myself as a Christian, you could be, 80% of your heart trusting God mm-hmm. and I trust him in my money and I trust him in my relationships and, but not this thing or that thing or this thing because of all the things. And until we can get to a place where we want to deal with those spaces mm-hmm. and see God is good, we'll never be completely whole. Mm-hmm. And for me, the only way it makes sense, my kids preach to me all the time um, and I don't want to oversimplify it. But if you think about when you take away like, a baby's sippy cup from them and decide, you know, it's time. <laughs> you can't use this anymore. It's time. That child feels like their life is over. Yeah. I thought my mom loved me. I thought my dad loved me. <laughs> I don't believe it's true anymore. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. He's not happy. But mom and dad knows this is what's best for this yeah. kid. And the kid may not understand for years mm-hmm. what just happened to them. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. As good parents, we still got to take the sippy cup. We can't let him go into high school mm-hmm. drinking the sippy cup. And God is doing things in our lives that we don't, we may never understand. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's funny is the reason the child is able to continue to function and get fed and all that is because that child is utterly dependent yep. Yep. on her parents. And the child's ability to be content increases when she accepts that dependence yeah, yep. and, and knows that it is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same for us. Like, whether we like it or not, we're dependent on God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if we disown God, like, he still is in charge yeah. of the world. Yep. <laughs> but the more that we can see that dependence on God as not just a reality, but mm-hmm. also a really good thing, mm-hmm. um, it allows us to be content. Now, as you're talking, it actually made me think of something, and I'll see if I can find words around it. Because an argument somebody can make to this is that saying, be content, it is well with my soul, God is God, God is good. Somebody could see that as being dismissive. It's Mm -hmm. pretending like the problem doesn't exist and just putting this like Christian platitude forefront. And people have done that. Christians have done that. I've done that. You take a platitude and you throw it up there. Oh, God's good. You know, he just wanted this, that and the other. Everything's Mm going to work out. How is what we're talking about different than just a trite platitude? Because it, it it takes a huge faith to look God in the face and say, this thing really hurt me. Mm-hmm. Help me understand how this is good. Mm. I mean, it's scary. Yeah. Because if he says the wrong thing, this could be the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a relationship defining moment right yeah. here, Lord. You got to say the right thing. I feel like that's how he matures our faith. Yeah. So we could stay stuck in the well, it's fine, whatever, I don't care. And we do that, like, okay, whatever. If God wants me to be poor, maybe I was just supposed to be poor, and that's it. But you really got an attitude, Mm -hmm. you know? Even in in the the shoot of my woman, I noticed in the story, when Elijah comes and asks her what she wants, Mm -hmm. 
she says she doesn't need anything. But then when he promises her a child, she says, basically, don't play with my emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which means deep down, I kind of do want a child. Mm. But I've, I've gotten to a place where I'm okay. So please don't mess yeah, with me and God right now. Because we're good. And yeah. if you tell me it's coming and it doesn't come. And that right there, that little mm. piece there, that is huge. If you can't give that piece to God. And I don't know why. But he always wants that one little piece. I'm like, Lord, I'm giving you everything I got. Mm -hmm. And he's like digging through your heart, trying to find that one little piece that you don't want to touch. But that's how he grows you. When your kid looks at you one day and says, Dad, you were right. That's how you know they've grown up. (laughs) Yeah. I'll let you know when that happens. (laughs) And that's where he's trying to get us to. Dad, you were right. Yeah. You were right. And we just can't. we, We have to know in our own hearts. You can't. You can look at other people and try to decide if they're pretending or not but you got to know in your heart is it okay mm-hmm. it's like when you're in an argument with your wife and she's like i'm good you mm-hmm. know the difference between i'm good and i'm okay yeah there's it's two different yeah. things well and even as you're saying that that one little piece part like that is constantly a struggle like we we do have that reaction like ah oh, yeah. haven't i done enough haven't i proven myself Why wait me? another thing <laughs> have we not arrived yeah. why are we still doing this it's not like god's surprising us with this because he's, yeah. it says love the lord your god with all your yeah. heart and all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. Mm-hmm. And if we're not all in, we're not all in. Yeah. But the secret that God knows that we can't seem to catch is the only way that this really works, this abundantly more, this full life, it only works with all in. It's not yeah. It's not like he's running this club and you have to pay all these memberships. <laughs> it's, not, it's like this is yeah. just actually how it functions. As long as you're holding on mm-hmm. to things that aren't God, you are not able to fully release yourself to God. It's yeah. kind of like, I was just praying in my head, God, give me an analogy. And I don't know if this is a great one, but this is the one that came to my mind. It's like when you go to the the beach or a pool mm-hmm. and you go to get in the water and you put your toe in first mm-hmm. and it's freezing and you're like, ah, nope, I don't even want any part of this. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to get in the water, you might put your leg in. But we all know the only way that you're able to stay in that water is you got to go all in. All in. And yeah. I know there's so many times where I fight it mm-hmm. and I'll get to my waist and I might get like to my stomach but i will hold off on dipping my head under because it is too cold yeah and i don't i don't i'm not going to enjoy it i'm not going to like it and what i don't realize is every time that i actually follow through and especially if i just do it quick just Just get over with dive in (laughs) like it always works out and Mm. and it's amazing what your body said before that this is way too cold Mm -hmm. when you are immersed Suddenly, like, oh, the water's great. It's kind of like when you're when someone's gone ahead of you, yeah, come and on they're in. like, oh, the water feels great, and you're like, you're a liar. This is frigid. Yeah, <laughs> like, and but we're so afraid of going all in because it costs us mm-hmm. everything. Yep. And yet, what God says in His Word is that even though it costs us everything, He wants to give us abundantly more. Yeah. And we're not actually losing out on this deal, even though we lose everything. <laughs> and I had to like go through stages and, and he tells us that glory, glory. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, he's gentle. Yeah. He takes you through stages. <laughs> but when he proved himself in one, then mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I can trust you in another. Mm-hmm. But what we want to do is a lot of times we just want him to make the ocean warm. Yeah. First. Yeah. If you just, I mean, I don't understand. I want a relationship like Paul had, mm-hmm. but I, I want him to fix everything first. But Paul went through so much. So much. So much to get that. And, and people just don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very uncomfortable. I grant you. Um, yeah. But it, it, it wasn't, 
and I don't want to say free because it's free, but it's not free. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not like yeah. we want it to be. It's not. Um, and, and if you put it in the context of, of human relationships, even it makes sense. Mm-hmm. What relationship do you have? The closest relationships you have cost you something, cost mm-hmm. that person something. I'm sure you know people who walk up and down the street. You see them at the store. You know them, but you don't know them. Mm-hmm. And it costs you nothing to say hello to them. Yeah. But you guys are not super close. You're not going to invite them yeah. to your wedding necessarily. <laughs> they probably won't be at your funeral. Mm-hmm. You you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you haven't put that investment in. Yeah. Um, and God is requiring that of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, in that comparison piece, like we really do wrestle with that of looking at what somebody else's relationship mm-hmm. looks like, speculating what somebody else's relationship looks like. Because some of the people that we point to and yeah. say, I want that relationship, if they heard you say that, that... Let me tell you my story. Right. And right. and so but what I hear you saying and 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 even pulling back to some things you said earlier, it's almost like you're you're saying it's okay if we have some words for God. It's okay if oh, we yeah. argue with God. Absolutely. Tell me about that. <laughs> tell me about arguing with God and why absolutely. that's okay. Um and like like I said my kids teach me. So my kids argue with me. They know the limit. <laughs> they know the line. You know what I mean? Mm. There's a line of respect that is required. Mm-hmm. But in order for them to have their own minds and to grow, they have to have opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I believe because I love them, I give them that. Mm-hmm. And because Jesus loves me. Like if you think about a good dad and see that that's the thing, the brokenness. Most people don't see Jesus as a good dad. Mm. They see him as a dad they had or the dad they know about, what they expect or the the person they are. If I'm not a forgiving mm. person, most likely God, why would God be forgiving? Yeah. Um, but if he's a good dad and a big dad, he's huge. He's not, when your kid has a tantrum, mm-hmm. you know, it's annoying, but it doesn't, you know, get up it doesn't it doesn't shake who you are as a person Mm -hmm. because you're so much bigger than your kid yeah um when if we feel like god's gonna just fall completely apart because our feelings are hurt and (laughs) how is he god how is he Mm -hmm. you know the creator of the universe he's god and i've had times where he would just be like i know this hurts i literally like he would say to me like I told you it was going to hurt. Like <laughs> most of the time you're hurting like yeah. that because you've walked off and done something you no one asked you to do, mm-hmm. touch stuff you weren't supposed to touch. Now you're mad at God because it hurts. And he's just like, I told you it's mm-hmm. going to hurt, but I have a plan for that and I can make a way of escape. And I, I've had times where I'm just like, I'm done, literally done with mm-hmm. you. I, I remember one time I was at church. This is like years ago, um, maybe 15 or 16 years ago. And I just, I don't know why I went to church because I had decided in my head I was done with God. <laughs> On my way to church, I'm uh-huh. like, I am so done with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking to you no more. I'm, t- I'm tired of this. I'm done. And uh, there was this lady at my old church. She had a supernatural laugh. When the Holy Spirit came, she'd laugh. Mm-hmm. I mean, just laugh. And then everybody would start laughing. And it was so infectious. She started laughing and I started crying. I mean, mm. weeping. And I could hear God. Do you know how much I invested in you? Do mm. you think you could just get up and just decide that you're done? That's not how it works. But I was able to hear that because we were mm. having a conversation. And sometimes he says things that I don't like. Yeah. But I say things he doesn't like. And mm. then we're like family. Yeah. And it's okay because I trust him. It sounds, I don't know, it sounds weird to say out loud, but I feel like he trusts me. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that's relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure your wife says stuff to you sometimes you don't particularly like, but you trust <laughs> her heart. Um, you know she loves you mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And so, yeah, I feel like God welcomes those conversations because they're honest. Yeah. 
when your relationship with someone reaches that level, there's also a new level of commitment. You know, if a neighbor that I don't know well curses me out, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have to talk to that neighbor ever again. If a family member curses me out, there is a a contract that has been written that I'm committed to that person. And in particular, when you get to a spouse or, you know, a child, you know, that contract increases. It's almost like with with God, I think that's the beautiful thing that Mm -hmm. even when we throw our hands up and say, I I just don't get you, God, God has committed (laughs) to us as as our father, we as his children. He's like, all right, and I'm I'm still here. Yeah. And the crazy thing is we're usually accusing him of something he's not even doing. Yeah. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. just like, okay, I'm going to take this one for the team. <laughs> um, yeah. Or we're mad at him because we're losing something. He's like, weren't you the one that just, you, you said that you wanted to give everything for me? Right, right. <laughs> or we ask him for something that requires that we give up something uh-huh. else. We want this other thing, and he's trying to give it to us. Yeah. But it requires that you let go of this, and now you're uh, mad. Why can't I get yeah. both? And they don't go together. So it just, it just put the picture in my head of where the raccoon is at the log. I don't know if you've seen this before. And there's like a little hole and the raccoon reaches into the hole and grabs something shiny mm-hmm. and then tries to pull his hand out. And yep. he can't because his fist is bigger than the hole. Mm-hmm. And all he has to do is let go of that shiny thing. And he can get his fist back. And he can get his fist back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's what we, we struggle to let go of the shiny things. Yeah. And what we don't realize is God's like, I've got an even shinier thing right here. If you just let go and lose the thing you think you want when you pull your hand out, I'll give you something better. (laughs) Yeah, and I've gotten to a point now that trials kind of make me excited. Mm -hmm. When things happen, I'm like, ooh, what is God going to do with this? (laughs) Yeah, you know, when when the enemy really comes at me hard, I just know. It's like like, confirmation. Yeah, like (laughs) it's like Super Mario Brothers. It's like you win this level, you get something else, Uh, and then you go to another thing. And I've, you know, it's not always fun. I'm not going to lie like and say I don't cry. But I I just feel like God's got something going, Mm -hmm. you know? I feel like I was listening to a song on the way here. I think it's uh, I'm No Victim. Um, Mm -hmm. But it says, he's not just restoring. He's not just reviving. Greater things are yet to come. And He's not trying to just give you back what you think you lost mm-hmm. or fix what you think you broke. He's got so much more yeah. than you, you. You just don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's funny. You know, you saying that reminds me of even this morning. There's a lot of just hard stuff that happened. Like weird stuff, too, but hard stuff that I was navigating. And then right before we recorded, stuff was happening yep. with the mic. Yep. But I've gotten to the point now where God's shown up enough times in these kind of conversations mm-hmm. that uh, earlier this morning I was like, Oh, this is probably going to be a good episode. <laughs> if I'm getting this much resistance, you push through. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but another thing that came to my mind is, you know, I think that's important to name is we're we're hitting this truth that we let go of the things we think we need. God can give us better things. But what we're not talking about is like a prosperity gospel kind of mm-hmm. thing where God's like going to give us all the riches because, right? Even in our own stories, we could probably pull up a dozen stories where the thing that God gave us looks nothing like what we would have chosen. Right. But the abundantly more that God is trying to do is not just a bigger house or more yeah. money. It's abundantly more than even our concepts of what is valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the problem is, is that we think it's a thing. Mm. The whole time, what he, the abundantly more is him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's always him. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm learning that there, there, there's a balance between the two quote unquote gospels. Um, there's a, a suffering gospel, you know, a martyr gospel. I go into missions and never have anything and mm-hmm. I'm Christian. Um, or the other side is I get all the money and I can bless everyone and I'm a Christian. Yeah. Um, and both things have truth mm-hmm. to them. 
But at the end of the day, I feel like God sits back and says, do you know me? Yeah. yeah. And so the rich guy, in order for you to know me, you may have to get rid of the house. Mm-hmm. The poor guy, in order for you to know me, you may have to get rid of the poverty. Mm-hmm. I might need to bless you so much <laughs> that you can't understand it because mm-hmm. you get to know me in that space. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's just no boxing him. That's where we get stuck. Is it, should I be rich? Should I be poor? Am I supposed yeah. to be sick? Am I supposed to be healed? The point is, do you know him? Mm-hmm. That's the entire point yeah. for God. And that knowing means it's a continual engagement with the relationship. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just like, Santa comes and, you know, gives the thing and then Mm -hmm. we ride off that for a year. It's, you know, I I think as you're talking about, I think about this house and us coming to live in this house, the whole process there was not about a house. It was us coming to understand and know God in a deeper way that ended up playing a big role in this past year where we, Becca left her job and we went and did the DTS. Like a lot of that was tied to the journey of this house. But I've I'm constantly aware that there is a danger in that if I at any point stop aligning my eyes on God and shift it to the house, then I could just live in this house and enjoy this house and like not remember God and like miss the point, miss the opportunities, miss the blessings, lose the provision. (laughs) I don't know. So or put another way, I have to constantly be willing to acknowledge if at any point God said, hey, I wanted to give you this house for a season, mm-hmm. and now I need you to give it away. Am I willing to do that? And if yeah. I'm not, it's because I have now grabbed hold of the shiny thing yep. and lost sight of God. But at the same time, it's also not like God is going to punish me and say, mm-hmm. now I will take away all your yeah. things, because he very well might be like, hey, I want you to have this house because there's more. I want to do more than just have a place for you to live. Mm-hmm. There's things I intend to do with this house and that's why you're in it. But it's not even fully about you. Yeah. And, I, and I don't pretend to feel like God has favorites. But the way I see it, mm-hmm. um, to help me understand, is that God loves all of us, right? But even Jesus, when he walked the earth, he had the 2,000. And then there was the 50. Mm-hmm. And then there was the 12. And then there was the three. Mm-hmm. You know, to go up on the mountain with him and be the three cost them something. Yeah. Jesus loves the guy who didn't follow at all. Mm-hmm. But we have to make a decision at some point. How far do I want to go? How close do I want to go? How Mm -hmm. deep in am I willing to go? And Jesus will love you in the house that Mm -hmm. he asked you to give away. Mm -hmm. He will provide for you and your children. Um, But will you make it on the mountain? I don't know. I'm not trying to make a theology. I'm just saying. (laughs) I don't know that you're going to be on the mountaintop. And I don't know if you're going to see all that he has really promised for you. Um, Because at the end of the day, it's disobedience. It's... um a way I've been thinking about it lately is obligation versus opportunity. Mm. And I think there's times where it's hard for us to move forward because it feels like obligation and we don't want to be told what to do. We don't want to do something we don't want to do. Mm. And um, and we can look at what God's calling us to. If, if we look at it simply as obligation, we forget the relationship part and we yeah. forget the good father part. Yeah. With opportunity, it kind of hits at what you're saying where God's like, hey, I'm going to love you. Mm-hmm. but I'm inviting you into something. Mm-hmm. And if you don't come with me, I'm still going to love you. But if you come with me, I'm going to show you things you could have never, you could have an opportunity that you yeah. could never have arrived at yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's a different way that we engage with opportunity, a different way we engage with invitation. And it all comes back to what we've been saying, like who do we understand God to be? This cruel rule maker mm-hmm. that is disconnected or a good, good father 
who is God and who is good and who loves us so much mm -hmm. that he wants us to experience abundantly more than we can yeah. ask or imagine. Yeah. It's, it all comes down to perspective. Mm -hmm. It's how we see stuff. And the way God helped me to see it, I remember uh, Percy preached one time. Mm -hmm. uh, he was doing the, and actually Doug talked about it today. That was shocked me. I was talking about the four guys mm -hmm. um, that yeah. lower the guy through the roof. And as Percy was preaching, I just was weeping because I was like, I'm always that one of those four guys. Mm. I'm always having to carry somebody else. Yeah. Why can't I just lay down on the mat? Why can't somebody <laughs> carry me? You know, I'm just over it. Like yeah. it's too much. And I felt like God said, but you can walk. <laughs> you walk mm -hmm. and that person cannot walk. I've given mm -hmm. you a gift that you're despising. The fact that you can walk is a gift. Mm -hmm. And, what I didn't see before that is when, if I do what I'm supposed to do, I go in as four people, four faithful friends. I come out five. Mm. Now I got another guy who can walk yeah. and understands the love of God. Yeah. And the next time we carry that mat, it's lighter. Yeah. And when we become six, it's even lighter. God's not trying to add more burdens to Sharika. God is asking me, he's offering me an opportunity mm -hmm. to carry this guy with me. Yeah. I can lay down on the mat. It's no shame in laying on the mat if you can't walk. But to climb on the mat when mm -hmm. you can walk and expect someone to carry you because you you have a brokenness in how you're seeing yeah. God and not being able to embrace the authority the authority God is giving you mm -hmm. as a gift. When you're a leader, yeah, you do carry people. And there's sometimes harder burdens that you feel like you have to carry. But it's a gift. And when you open your eyes to that gift, he can show you stuff you just yeah. wouldn't imagine. Yeah two thoughts to kind of wrap well a thought and a question mm -hmm. to wrap things up the thought is in everything that we're talking about i think an important piece of it is what we're saying is this is a journey it's not a yeah. i as long as i if i can learn the things then i can be today exactly who i'm supposed to be mm -hmm. like we're talking about a journey a, a building of relationship a deepening of relationship mm -hmm. that can't be compared to other people it's you and god and your relationship is going to look like what your relationship looks yeah. like um, and we can choose how deeply we want to invest. My question is, you know, you talked about the audience for Well Ministries being, you know, the woman who is has a, a relationship with God, wants to trust God, but is at a place where she isn't sure that God is the good, good father yeah. that can do things. If you could say something to that person now, mm -hmm. what would you say? He's good. <laughs> um, and that, and that's, it sounds super easy, but I feel like that's and I feel like that's a conversation that has to happen individually and that's what the ministry is. Yeah. Like you have to find the space in her heart where he's not good mm -hmm. and have that conversation with her. Um, and for me, I feel like, oh, he's always going to use me. Mm -hmm. he's not really good because he just put me on the front line to take bullets he doesn't want to take. Like I was stronger than him or bigger than him or something. And so I had to have that space in my heart healed. And so I, I would say, I guess vulnerability is really scary. It's mm -hmm. super scary, but it's so worth it. Mm -hmm. um, and if I could walk it with you rather than you having to be out there by yourself, that would be the goal. Yeah. Um, Cause in the end you'll say with me, he's good. You will walk, you will run, dance through the streets, shouting praise to the one. You're healed, you're clean. Go out, tell the people what you've seen. Revived in him, new life in him. You 
the late 1800s, there was a man named Horatio Spafford who was doing incredibly well with life. Not only was he a successful lawyer, but his wealth had allowed him to invest in a number of properties in the Chicago area. Things were looking really good for Horatio until suddenly they weren't. The first hit was when his four-year-old son died. Shortly after that, many of the properties that he had invested in were either destroyed or extensively damaged by the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. If this wasn't enough, there was an economic downturn in 1873 that further damaged his wealth. Now, he and his family had been planning a trip to Europe, but unfortunately, issues came up, so he sent his family on ahead and he would follow them later. Not long after, he received a telegram from his wife that said, Saved alone. During their journey, their ship had hit another vessel and sank, and all four of his daughters had died. Spafford got into a boat to go and be with his wife, and as he passed near the spot where his daughters had been killed, he felt inspired to write these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. For nearly 150 years, those lyrics have encouraged and inspired people around the world, yet so many of us don't know the pain and loss that went into those lyrics being penned. But what Horatio Spafford knew is that the wellness of his soul was not determined by his success. It was not determined by his wealth. It was not even determined by whether his family lived or died. The wellness of his soul was determined by the fact that his soul was held by a loving and powerful God. And that same God holds your soul as well. That same God loves you deeply as well. Some of you listening right now may have hard moments in your story. You may be in the midst of hard moments. You might have a hard moment around the corner. You might be feeling hopeless, scared, angry. But if a man could go into the midst of the pounding waves that took the lives of his daughters and write the words, it is well with my soul, then maybe it could be well with ours. The truth is no matter what you are going through, there is a God that loves you deeply and personally and goes with you and goes ahead of you and wants it to be well with your soul. But what I love about what Sharika shared is that we don't have to play games with God and we don't have to pretend and we don't have to fake it. We don't have to put a smile on our face. We can be honest with God. We can be angry with God. We can be real with God. He can take it because he wants us to rightly understand life and ourselves and who he is. Because the more we understand how life actually works, the more we understand who he actually is, and the more we understand who we are in him, that is how it can be well with our soul. Because we're not playing games with ourselves anymore. It can be well with your soul today, no matter what is going on. So I want to encourage you to make space with God and just talk with him. Let him know what is going on within you. Let him know how you are perceiving him and then just listen. Step into that space believing that he is so powerful and so loving that he can make it well with your soul. And then ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God Podcast. 
You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group, and you will love listening to the rest of their music, so check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?